Hey, good morning, everybody. Really good to see each and every one of you. Glad you're here. If you are a first-time guest, we uh, welcome. We hope you feel at home. And I do want to welcome those who are joining us online today. Uh, You know, we're going on five months now since our world got weird. And and, uh, if if you've joined us online today, I just want you to know as your pastor, I love you. And I understand why everyone's not on the same re-entry pace. And uh, some of you are higher risk than others. Others of you have families or whatever of young children. But if you're not ready to make your physical return, that's okay. We get it. All right. And uh, just want you to know that you are still very much an important part of this church family. And we love you. And so glad that you're able to join us online today. And that, amen. Over the uh, past months, we had stopped handing out materials like church bulletins for safety reasons and went completely digital. But uh, one of the things that was on the back of our bulletin was our finances. And some of you asked, well, how's that going? How are we doing financially as a church? And I just want to tell you, our giving has never been stronger. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Because more people now are actually moved, they're giving online, it's actually more consistent. And financially, our church is the healthiest as it's ever been. And it's just, that's just amazing to me. Sometimes, you know, I hear a report from our uh, finance um, director and she'll tell me the number that came in. And, and I'll just walk away scratching my head because during the last five months, due to COVID, we've only been averaging about three to 400 people here on Sunday mornings, which is about one third of our regular attendance pre-COVID. So that means that two thirds of our church family, for whatever reason, has not felt comfortable in returning to the building physically yet. And yet all of us, including those online, are still fully invested in supporting the local church. And because they, you believe like I believe that the local church is the hope of the world. And as a result, we've been able to retain all of our staff here at Brandywine uh, through the last five months. We've been able to continue 100% of our support to all of our missionaries around the world and and our mission work here uh, locally. And so I just want to stop and say thank you. You are an amazing church. Thank you for your faithfulness and your faithful giving. So... Many of the ministries in the last few months have been busier than ever. Our Well Spring drive-through food pantry continues to serve so many families every week uh, in need of food. We have served hundreds of families over the past five months. Our homeless ministry served 98 meals to, to folks downtown yesterday. Uh, celebrate recovery and Wellspring recently combined efforts to offer a new summer program called Hope forward and they are averaging around 90 folks in that ministry and are we're seeing more people participate in groups in that area than ever before isn't that great so yeah so hey uh we're in a new teaching series called the the chosen have you watched uh, the movie series some of you no all right well hey i want to encourage you to do that uh, 
there's little doubt in my mind that this uh, TV series will soon be one of the most well-known, well-liked, multi-season Christian uh, television series in history. Uh, it's just that well done. And uh, it's the best I've seen on the life of Christ done in, in production like it is. Each episode allows you to see Jesus through the eyes of those who knew him. And so if you'd like to watch that first eight episodes uh, of the season one, you can simply go to their website, just Google The Chosen, and you'll find their website. And, and for a $15 donation, you can do that. So, hey, today I get to teach on my favorite scene in those first eight episodes. It's the story of where Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter four. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter four. If not, we will have the scripture for you on the screen. Uh, it's one of the most fascinating insights into the life of Christ found anywhere in scripture. It gives us such a clear picture of who God is. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so when we look at Jesus here in this chapter four, we get a, such a great uh, picture of who God is and what he's like, which is radically different than what most people think when they think of who God is and what he's like. And so I'll show you the clip here in a little bit, but I'd like to give you some background and uh, setting. Let's pick up in verse one. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, John the Baptist, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. So the, the setting is very simple. It's early in Jesus' ministry. He begins actively preaching and teaching, and, he, and the disciples begin baptizing those who had recently been converted, and there was a lot of people and the Pharisees and the religious people became jealous. And so Jesus hears about it and he knows three things. Number one, he, he, he knows it's not the right time to confront the Pharisees. Uh, secondly, uh, he, he, needs, he knows he needs to get out uh, and preach in other regions. And thirdly, uh, because he knows it's the wrong time to cause a big ruckus, he decides to move from this lower region of Judea uh, to travel up to the northern region of Galilee. Now, the shortest route uh, to Galilee is to go straight through Samaria. But in Jesus' day, no good Orthodox Jew would ever step foot in Samaria. And you're saying, well, why not? What's the big deal? Who cares about going through Samaria? Well, here, here's the deal. The Jews were all about remaining a pure race. And the Samaritans had intermarried, which was a big no-no. They, they were half Jew, half Gentile. And therefore, the Jews considered all Samaritans unclean, all right? And they were looked down on. They were despised. And they refused to interact with them. And they were looked on as less than human, you know, like worse than dogs. And of course, I like dogs. But a person can walk through Judea, uh, from Judea to Galilee in three days, if you just go straight through Samaria. If you choose to go around Samaria, 
it takes you five and a half to six days, all right? An extra three-day trip by foot. And the Jewish people would choose to go the long way. They went around Samaria. It was that bad. Great animosity grew between the, the two over the years uh, to the point where they absolutely hated one another. And, but here, here, here's Jesus, a Jew, and he decides to take his disciples and walk straight through Samaria. And he's going to meet a Samaritan woman along the way. In fact, he, he goes through Samaria just for her, and her influence is great. This woman was an outcast in her community. She'd been divorced uh, five times, and the guy she was with now was not her husband. And in that day, man, it was raising some eyebrows. Uh, she was shunned. It was she was bad news. It's like, stay away from her. She was the one everybody whispered about and talked about behind her back. But Jesus stops to interact with her as she's drawing water from this well, Jacob's well. And again, there wasn't a Jewish man anywhere who would have talked to this woman or any woman for that matter. But Jesus approaches her with love and dignity and honor there in public. And so let's pick up in verse 4. He, Jesus, had to go through Samaria on the way, and he actually chose to. And eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime, and the time there's significant. We'll talk about that. Soon a, a Samaritan woman came to draw water. So this famous well called Jacob's Well uh, was still a long walk from the outskirts of the town of Sychar. And it was located like at the fork of a road. The time of day, it was noon, 12 noon, the hottest part of the day. Normally, no one would be out at the well at noon unless you're like, Jesus is just passing through because it was the hottest part of the day. And so you, you may be wondering, well, what is this woman from Samaria doing there during the hottest part of the day? Well, she was avoiding running into anybody else, any of the people in town. Jacob's well would have been uh, kind of a community hangout in the mornings for other women who were going to draw water uh, during the cooler morning hours. And she knew if she was to go then with the other women, she, then she's, she'd be socially rejected. She had a reputation, a bad reputation. Her kind was not welcome there, all right? So she just wanted to avoid. She purposely makes a trip to the well during the hottest part of the day just to avoid people in the crowd. And Jesus had sent his disciples on into town uh, to, to get food. And so he stays to have an encounter with this woman at the well. And so as she approaches the well to draw water, verse 4 says, Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. And the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She was shocked. Jesus uh, was talking to a Samaritan. A Jew was talking to a Samaritan. And certainly 
uh, it was unusual for a Jewish rabbi to talk to a woman and talk to anybody in public uh, who is a woman. Uh, but notice what Jesus does. He begins breaking all of these barriers that's in front of him. Uh, verse 9, she said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And, but this woman was hurting. This woman had not seen such great rejection in her life. And she'd been wounded. And this morning, if that's you, if you're hurting, if, if you've been wounded, if you've made poor decisions like this lady in her life, if you feel like you've made too many bad mistakes for God to ever love you, take note of this passage. Jesus is no respecter of persons, all right? He never once approached uh, anyone differently just because of their past or their skin color or any other reason for that matter. So I, I realize that, you know, you're thinking, well, now asking someone for a drink, that doesn't seem like a big deal. But in this case, it was a big deal. It was a huge deal. Jesus is breaking through all these barriers just to reach her. First of all, Jesus breaks through a racial barrier here. Uh, Jesus, a Jew, her, a Samaritan. Uh, secondly, Jesus breaks through uh, a gender barrier here. Back then, men did not associate with women at all in public. It was just a thing. Uh, number three, Jesus breaks through a cultural barrier here. Again, Jews felt that even simple interactions with a Samaritan would defile them. And here Jesus is, a rabbi, a teacher of Israel, a holy man, interacting with a Samaritan woman. But he saw that this, this woman was seeking, she was, she was thirsty for living water, and she needed Jesus. And fourthly, Jesus breaks through a social barrier. This was not just any woman, this is a woman with a reputation, and yet Jesus lets nothing stand in his way or reaching her. Uh, Jesus was a barrier breaker. And I want to ask you this morning, are you a barrier breaker just so that you can reach out and point other people to faith in Christ? Uh, are you willing to break any of those barriers that might be there? How about you? Uh, are you a barrier breaker? I really believe this, that Christ followers should never forget we should never forget why we're here, why God has you here right now on this planet sucking air. It's that he's given you a mission. This is the most important thing in your life. He's given you a mission to love and to care for and to point other people to faith in Christ. That's why you're here, to love him and to love others. And, and it's so easy to get sidetracked from the main mission, isn't it? Uh, and, you know, in our culture today, I mean, uh, obviously now there's so much divisive talk. There's all these, you can actually create barriers if you want that can hinder you from accomplishing the main mission of reaching more people for Christ and actually shrink the field. Uh, in my lifetime, I, I don't know about you, but I have never witnessed so many divisive hot topics that if not handled correctly by Christ followers, it can cause you to actually shrink the field for reaching more people for Christ. Um, and as Christ followers, we've just got to be wise with our words, don't we? We've got to be willing to break through every barrier that we 
possibly is put in front of us uh, to reach more people for Christ. I mean, let me ask you, can you think of anything that might be divisive in our world right now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, politics, you name it. God wants you to break through any barrier. I mean, if you're all the time just arguing with people, that's, and that's what you're known for, just arguing people about politics uh, or bashing one of the presidential candidates all the time, if that's what you're known for. Hi, my name's Joe. I, I hate all Democrats. Hi, it goes both ways. Hi, my name's Joe, and I, I, I hate Donald Trump. Do you realize how, many, how you shrink the field right there of your main mission for Christ while you're here on earth? Don't lose sight of why God has put you here, to seek and to save the lost. That's why we're here. And if you've got a right relationship with him, you care about lost people. You do. And so don't become distracted from the main mission. I'm convinced that some Christians would rather be right than to make a difference for the kingdom of God. It's just like, I just got to share my opinion on this, and I'm not going to be divisive on it, you know? So stop and think before you go into all these hot topics. And it's not that you can't talk about it. It's just be, be wise in how you talk about it. You know, can you think of something like COVID, you know? Uh, kids in school or not in school, mask or no mask. Now, that's a topic that will divide even the closest families at a dinner table, mask or no mask. I mean, you could lose your entire family inheritance over that one, right? So, my point this morning is this. Don't lose sight of God's main mission for you here on this earth. Because when, at the end of your life, the only thing that matters there's only two things that matters, the Bible says. Did you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And did you love your neighbor like this woman at the well as yourself? And point them to faith in Christ. So don't ever let the things of this world distract you or hinder you from accomplishing that main mission. It grieves the heart of God when you shrink the field and say, okay, I'm, I'm more concerned about trying to be right than to make a difference if it, for all eternity. So I got some lessons learned here from the life of Christ. You ready? If you got your phone out, you can follow along on our phone app. There's an outline. Number one, we must intentionally break through any and every barrier to share the gospel of Christ. We must intentionally break through any and every barrier to share the gospel of Christ. Jesus never once allowed a barrier to prevent him from reaching anyone. And he broke through all the barriers. And he never treated anyone like a second-class citizen. Verse 10, you know, and talking to the woman at the well, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water and you'll never thirst again. In other words, once the Spirit of God comes into our life, our deepest thirst gets quenched, doesn't it? I mean, it's like, yeah. And, and not just the length of your life, but the quality of your life. And verse 15, she says, please, sir, give me this water. And she doesn't quite get it all yet, but Jesus just keeps, keeps giving her more and more. The lesson number two, grace, not condemnation. Grace, not condemnation, is what draws people to Jesus Christ. And Jesus just demonstrates this so well. 
with the woman at the well. Uh, he, he, he met this woman right at her perceived need and offered her hope. You see, the Holy Spirit never condemns. The Holy Spirit lovingly convicts. And you need to understand the difference there. The Bible says it's the kindness of God that leads people to salvation. Amen? You see, wounded, hurting people, they already know they've messed up. They they, they already know maybe I've made some poor choices along the way. They don't need reminded of that. They, They get it, all right? What they need, what they really need to hear is that there's hope and that there's grace and that there's someone who created them who really loves them and that uh, he's come to fill that big void in their life. And once you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that you'll never thirst again. Amen? The next thing we see Jesus doing here is that he begins to confront her with truth and love. With truth and love. You put those together with balance. Here's a woman who's probably never been treated with love or dignity before by any man. Uh, The only time she's ever interacted with other men, they've always wanted something from her. And here Jesus is saying, I I have something for you. I mean, chances are she'd never met a man that didn't want to use her. She had the reputation. But here Jesus is, and he wants to give her life. He wants to complete her. He wants to fill a void that only living water he could fill. So he helps her face the truth in love. And check out how he does it, beginning there with verse 16. He says to her, go and get your husband. And she's like, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you're right. And then begins to prophesy, just speaks things that only God would know, you know. He's like, you don't have a, you don't have a husband. You, for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're with, living with now. And then he says this, you certainly spoke the truth. Life lesson number two is grace, not condemnation, draws people to Jesus Christ. But there's something else here important that we need to to see about grace, and it leads to our next uh, lesson. You see, grace doesn't mean that you don't deal with the tough issues of sin. That's not grace. Grace means that rather than pounding on this wounded woman for her lifestyle, Jesus begin to compliment her on her honesty. See the difference? Jesus said, you're right. Man, thanks for stepping up to the plate and being honest. Because you know what the one main prerequisite is to a right relationship with God? It's to be honest. And she was. So life lesson number three, honesty with ourselves and with God is a prerequisite to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. We got to be honest with ourselves. We got to be honest with God. And once we're that, man, there is a intimate relationship, an authentic relationship that begins with God. In fact, the psalmist uh, tells us this in Psalm 145, verse 18. The Lord is near to all those who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth, in truth. So you got truth and love. We sometimes think, well, we've got this huge hurdle, you know, in front of us, we can't get to God. Have you ever thought that? I can't get to God. There's all these huge hurdles. And so we go about it all wrong. We try harder. Say, I'll I'll try to be good, or I'll try to earn my way to God. And the Bible says that's not how it works. 
That's not how it works. You see, right here this morning, you can get as close to God as you want to. If you want a right relationship with God, you can have it immediately. The moment you get honest, 100% honest with God. Isn't that beautiful? Notice Jesus doesn't just wink at sin here. He doesn't just try to gloss over the situation and not deal with it. But neither does he condemn her. Jesus is like, I know all about you. I know who you are, where you've been, who you've been with. But I still love you. And I care about you. You matter to me, and I got a plan and purpose for your life, and I've got some living water here that's going to quench your thirst forever. He's like, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to restore you. And notice how she responds. Sir, you must be a prophet, man. I mean, she realizes. And then everything is getting close to home, so she changes the subject. You notice, she says, well, well, Jews say we should only worship God in Jerusalem, but our ancestors worship God here on the mountain. Who's right? You know, Jesus is trying to help her beneath the surface, uh, you know, to look beneath the surface, to come out of denial. And she just wanted to change the subject, all right? And isn't that what we do when we get too close, and he gets too close, and the Holy Spirit begins to convict? It's like, hey, let's change the subject. Confronting sin. Let's talk about something else. But until you come out of denial, until you get honest, until you stop hiding and stop blaming everybody else for, you know, the situation in your life, to take responsibility for your own actions, you'll never get well. You know, in Celebrate Recovery, we have a, a saying, and it's, it's this, revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. Revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. Say it with me. Revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. In other words, if you're willing to get honest with yourself and with God, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins to one another, we'll be healed. Why? Because we're only as sick as our secrets. (laughs) Yeah. And Jesus understands your wounds. He sees it all. And he sees everything we've ever done. And he understands the poor choices that we've made. And the goal, his goal for you, it's not to come down on you, but to give you living water. Do you see a correct picture of who God is here? His goal is to cleanse you and to forgive you. The goal is to heal and restore you. Not to make you feel horrible and and to condemn you. It all starts with you just being 100% honest with yourself and with God. Verse 25, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. She didn't realize he's standing in front of her. I know the Messiah is coming, the one who's called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And what did Jesus say to her? I'm the Messiah. I am he. I'm the living water. I am the way, truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus reveals to her a whole new view of what God is really like. And you know, so many people today have this warped view of who God is and what he's like. He's not a condemning God that's just hard to always please. That's not who he is. 
And here in our uh, movie clip of The Chosen, they show a picture of God. Again, who, who, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, you've seen God. They get it right in The Chosen. You watch. Last Salome's bread last night. Master, we need to go into town for food. We can use the gold left for us at the fountain. Very well. There's a town about a mile west. Sicar. You all go. I'll wait here. Someone should stay with you. In case. I'm all right. Meet me at that well when you come back. Give me a drink. Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come at noon in the heat. So you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I, I'd still like a drink of water if, if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? 
That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know, Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. <sighs> exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? <sighs> Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sort this mess out, including me. I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you, and it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. 
you think it's an accident that I'm I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know. But not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. <laughs> you promise. I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> You forgot your arm. Um... Um, Rabbi, we've got food. What would you like? Ah, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Who got you food? Wait a minute. You told her? Mm -hmm. And she can tell others? What food? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. You, you told her who you are? Mm -hmm. So does that mean... It means we're going to stay here a couple of days. It's been a long time of sowing, but the fields are ripe for harvest. And so it's time. Let's go. Isn't that a great picture of who God is? And I love that he looked at her, the woman at the well, and said, I came to Samaria just for you. And you know, he is here today through spirit. And he is here just for you. In verse 28, it says, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. And verse 39, it says, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because of her. And she, he ended up staying a couple of days in their city. Many came to Christ. And here's the next uh, lesson, number four. Her story shows us that you don't have to have it all together to influence someone else or Jesus. 
to point people to faith. You, you know, you don't have to know it all. You don't have to have a seminary degree. I'm talking to you. You don't have to have uh, to pray powerful prayers or be able to quote scriptures where it's at in the Bible. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together like her. You don't have to have all the things fixed in your life to influence others for Jesus Christ. You see, who did God use here? Not some new celebrity on Instagram or not, not a professional athlete, everybody knows. He used a normal, ordinary, everyday, and considered at least of these kind of women who was simply transformed by Jesus. You don't have to have it all together for God to use you to be a light into this world to be salt. You just have to know who he is and care about every person that God puts in front of you and you can immediately be a light. You just have to have a heart for lost people. And I, get, I understand this. If, if your relationship with Jesus Christ right now is flowing and you've got living water and there's nothing hindering that, you care about lost people. You'll never look in the eye of somebody who doesn't matter to God, just like this woman at the well. And all you have to be is loving and kind and intuitive and filled with grace and care about people. I believe that for Brandywine. I believe that for you, that you do. And for those of you who are like that woman at the well this morning, and you're thinking, oh man, I've done too much. I, God could never love me. He came through Samaria just for you. He's here right now just for you. I'd like to pray a prayer with you right now. If you could just bow your head with me. And you know, if, if your things are not flowing right and you've known God before, man, just pray a prayer of repentance. Say, God, I need to reconnect with you. And if you've never done that before, I want you to hear this. This is a clear, correct view, a correct picture of who God is. He loves you. He cares about you. He did not come to condemn you, but to heal you and restore you. And if you've never been restored by him, if you've never tasted living water, I want to invite you to do that right here, right now. Whether you be online or whether you be right here in our facility, in our worship. Just say, God, come into my life. And let it change me, heal me, restore me, fill me with living water. Just pray this prayer. Say, I believe in you, Jesus, I believe who you say you are. I believe with all my heart. And I believe that you died on the cross for me and that you rose from the dead. And I want to have eternal life. So right now, I just repent of my sins. I receive you into my life. Make me your child forever. And thank you that I'm yours because Jesus Christ lives in me for all of eternity. In your name we pray. Oh, man. Hey, Brandywine, can we just give a big celebrate for God?
and what he's doing in our hearts and lives. That he is the living water. He is the living water. If you said yes to God today, I want to encourage you just to step over to the yes table before you leave and let us give you some information to help you grow. If you're online and you said yes, there's a next step right there. You can check off and we will help with uh, get you some information to help you to grow. And uh, you can get baptized this summer. We're having a, an outdoor service and it's just, it's just a fun party celebration. Hey, uh, Pastor Paul is gonna come and lead us through communion right now.